Hi, I'm John Burr with Poets and Quants. Welcome to Business Casual, our weekly podcast featuring my co-host, Maria Wickmilla, who's the founder of Applicant Lab and a Harvard MBA, and an NCIAD MBA who happened to be at one time the head of admissions at NCIAD and is now the co-founder of Fortuna Admissions, Caroline D'Arte Edwards. Hey guys, how are you doing? Good, thank you. So it looks like the new 2020-2021 admission season is now well underway. There are at least seven prominent schools that have released their deadlines, and in most cases, their essays. The schools are Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, Columbia, Michigan, Darden, and NCAD, which is always ahead of everybody in terms (laughs) of application deadlines and essays. I have to say, and with great admiration, and this is not me trying to butter up you, Caroline. (laughs) Uh, The admissions pages are so clear and so ahead of so many other schools with all the deadlines arranged beautifully. And you know when you're going to get an interview invite, when you're going to get a final decision. And they're lined up so that you have at least four or five intakes where you have all the deadlines and they're very clear to you. And I really appreciate that. I got to tell you. Great, great. Well, it just reduces the volume of questions, right? So it makes it easier for everybody. Totally. So what do you make? Are we going to see many changes in terms of what an applicant should expect when they start filling out these application forms? Well, so so I think admissions committees are trying to, you know, in most cases, they're keeping the questions the same. So I don't think there'll be a lot of changes. There are a few changes here and there with Wharton and Columbia and so on. But many of the schools are keeping the same essays and have announced that. I think they're dealing with enough change right now and enough uncertainty. And so, you know, with all of the, the you know, the current crisis on their plates, they are you know, avoiding any major changes in the admissions process. Having said that, it was interesting, John, you flagged the, the changes that, that Darden are announcing. and They're continuing to extend the flexibility on, on the tests. Yes, including they're encouraging. Well, I would say encourage because they're openly saying we will give you a test waiver if you can satisfy us and make us feel confident that you can basically come in and, and do the course successfully. And how you do that is, is by demonstrating achievement in your professional accomplishments or even through a very high GPA in a demanding program during your undergrad years. And they are accepting as part of that test waiver an SAT or ACT score. The other thing they're doing, which is kind of interesting, is that for the first time ever, and we know a few schools have been doing this now, including Columbia and NYU Stern, they're accepting the executive assessment, which has traditionally been used, although it's relatively new, for executive MBA programs. And it's a shorter, frankly, easier version of the GMAT which you probably don't have to study as hard for. And frankly, you don't have to sit and sweat as long as you would through through a traditional GMAT test. Yeah. So, yeah. And Maria, what do you, what are you seeing and hearing? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's the same. I think there are just so many external shocks happening in the world right now right. that I think a lot of admissions committees are like, you know what, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's just let's uncomplicate things where we, you know, let's not introduce more complications where we don't have to. So there are some a couple of changes that Caroline pointed out. But so far, I haven't seen any sort of dramatic overhauling of any essays. And you wouldn't expect to see that, uh, given the points you raised. Mm. Right. 
No, I, I think yeah. it would be <laughs> unless if unless if they drink a lot more coffee than I do and have a lot more mental energy <laughs> than I do. I can't. Why, why would you put yourself through that? Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean the other interesting thing to me is you know while Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, NCOT are pretty much their application periods that are upcoming are pretty standard in the sense that the pandemic accommodations aren't being extended. Both Darden and Michigan have extended these changes that have made applying a little bit more flexible. And I imagine that, you know, if you're not a Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, NCAD, that a lot more schools are going to be doing this as well. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was huge that this pandemic triggered so much more flexibility than we've ever seen as regards tests. And perhaps that's going to become a more of a permanent situation, which is not necessarily a bad thing, right? It means that schools are really making the effort to take a very holistic perspective on candidates and, and not just weeding people out based on their test or their GMAT score and welcoming people with different tests. Just It just adds more flexibility to the process and potentially you know, invites more people to, to apply, and which increases the applicant pool. It can increase diversity in the applicant pool, which are all good things. And so even the schools where you know, they are, they are hoping that things will get back to normal as regards the GMAT. And, you know, I think we all hope that test centers will be able to reopen and candidates, you know, if they're pursuing the GMAT route, that they will be able to take a GMAT in a test center rather than the at-home version. So I think candidates feel more comfortable with the, the test center option. There will be candidates who won't have access to that. And so even the schools where you know, they're not making big announcements yet about additional text flexibility and extending that. I think that in reality, they will have to be flexible in some cases and much more flexible than they've been pre-crisis. Yeah, especially for round one, because I'm imagining that, sure, you can take the online test, but as you pointed out, people do prefer to go to a test center because of the earlier reported tech glitches, frankly, in both tests at home. And, you know, one accommodation that GMAT just made is that this ban on using either scratch paper or a physical whiteboard has now been removed and you could actually use a physical whiteboard <laughs> because of protests over the online tool that they introduced yeah. uh, were so loud. And, and so there's that advantage, I guess. But again, you're not getting your writing score on that online GMAT. And, you know, some people might just prefer to deal with wherever they have to commute and sit in a test center and do it in a normal way instead of take a chance. So so to the extent that a lot of test centers are still closed, I think the majority of them, in fact, it makes it more difficult for a round one applicant just to get everything in order in time. The other thing is there are schools that are still accepting applications for the fall, including Darden which, you know, their extended deadline was among the the more extended ones, uh, July 15th. And there are rumors out there that both I have heard and Maria has heard that Kellogg has just gotten an unbelievable volume of uh, additional applications when it extended its deadline and made more flexible its application requirements for this coming fall entering class. Maria, what were the numbers that you heard? We love rumors. 
I know, right? Um, so, so the 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 number is so salacious that I I really I don't actually believe it's true. But the the one rumor I heard from a completely unconfirmed source was that it was ten thousand applications. Which to oh me my is, god, really? Yeah, I don't I don't know about that, but who knows, right? If, okay, two weeks ago I heard these rumors, not that number, but you know I heard that they they had an incredibly successful extended application season. And I've been trying to get them to talk to me about it. And I have not heard back yet. Good luck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sorting through that has got to be an ordeal. In fact, Caroline, you just heard that over at London Business School, they pushed back their decision dates, right? So, yeah. so what happened there? Yeah. So they have a round four and they've pushed back the final decision deadline from June 18th to June 25th. So it's just a week. But and as my colleague Emma Bond, who was a senior member of the admissions team, commented, you know, she's never seen anything like that happen. And it just speaks to the stress and uncertainty that the admissions committee is dealing with. I think a lot of schools are struggling to figure out what their full class is going to look like. You know, we were discussing last week that HBS has seen a massive drop in enrollment for the fall. And while schools have, you know, a lot of application volume and a lot of interest and, uh, you know, surge in, in applications, there is a lot of uncertainty about it. when they make offers, will people actually join the program? And so yield is a, is a huge issue and, a, and impossible to predict right now. So I think that schools are really struggling with finalizing their classes. And, you know, LBS clearly decided they needed more time to figure out <laughs> <laughs> who they need to make an offer to in order to have the class that they're looking for in, you know, in a, in a couple of months time. It's not very far away. Yeah, it, yeah. I was just going to say, it almost makes you wonder if part of the extended deadline, like a condition should have been, if you apply now and we let you in, you are coming, right? Not so yeah. that it doesn't, you guys are like, oh, will you let me in? But now I don't know if it's virtual, maybe <laughs> I won't go. Like, no, don't play these games. Yeah. If it's like, like early action, but it's a uh, late action. Unearly, late action. And it's funny, you know, this, this past week, there were a couple of European schools that started up again, ESMT Berlin, and then IMD in Switzerland. And I spoke to the dean after the first day of opening class, and it's extraordinary the kinds of precautions that they've had to take. So... The way it works is when you report to campus and you need to report to campus early every morning, you have to get verified to make sure you're a student because they have tight controls over who even gets on the campus. Yeah. Your temperature is taken. Then you're given a, a badge saying that you're controlled and three masks, one for the morning, one for the afternoon, one for the evening. Then, wow. then when you go to your class, the classes have been divided into two. So one class will, uh, 45, will attend the class by Zoom, essentially, and the other class will attend in person. But those in-person classes, they have plexiglass uh, in the front and on the wings, separating each student from each other with holes in the plexiglass so that their voice can carry when they <laughs> carry on a conversation. Meantime, the faculty member wears a face shield instead of a mask so that he can better communicate <laughs> with the students. The student teen groups have been brought down from six to four to lessen the chance of the spread. 
they now have to order lunch by app the day before. I don't know if anyone has ever been to that campus, but let me tell you, their luncheon spreads are to die for. You walk in there and the and it's all free because they treat MBAs almost like executive ed participants. This is IMD? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, you, so it's yeah. free lunch yeah. and the lunch is spectacular, yes. but it's usually cafeteria style where you can go different stations. Now you can't do that. You can sit at a table with up to four people, no more than that. And, but then you have to pre-order everything. So you don't, you can't wander around and touch food. Meantime, there's all kinds of social distancing and markers on all the floors. And they're about to impose social tracing, which the government just put out some guidelines on this week. They set aside a quarantine room because if you suddenly get a fever or a cough, or the sweats, you're to go immediately to the quarantine room wow. to be checked. Mm-hmm. It's extraordinary. And that's and yes. that's for a small school, right? Yes, with, small. with only a class of 90, although they were able to get 89 back, only one person was still trapped mm. in their home country in Kenya and couldn't get out to attend school. But as the dean said, the plexiglass guy in Switzerland, he's well taken care of. He's doing well. <laughs> it's a good business. Wow. Uh, What's well, impressive organization? Hooray for Swiss organizational skills. Totally, yeah. yeah <laughs> because really, it's, it's a feat that they were able to open back so quickly. And of course, they have that accelerated one-year program that starts in January. So they were right in the middle of their program as opposed to programs that were ending and have a summer break and will start in the fall. But I think that may be a sign of the things to come for students yes, who, who will be starting in the fall. Class sizes cut in half, mask mandatory in the corridors and hallways, perhaps plexiglass. I mean, if if you don't have a lot of students, you know, and you you can manage those plexiglass classrooms, I guess. If you have too many students, I don't know how you would you'd spend a fortune on plexiglass. Well, that's probably <laughs> what they'll have to do. Yeah, it's imported from Turkey, which is where they found it. And I'm sure there's a shortage of Plexiglass, like there was a shortage of toilet paper in the early days of the pandemic. <laughs> Buy shares in plexiglass. There you go. Right. Uh, see, it's true. Plastics, just like they That's said right. in the ground. Right? Yeah. That's true. Uh, right all along. Okay. So for, for the upcoming application season, what should applicants be doing right now if they want to apply for round one, which is three months away? Well, it's it's a good time to finalize your target list of schools and probably candidates have not been able to visit the schools in the same way that they might have done in the past. So, you know, online research and networking with alumni and, and through LinkedIn and so on is, is the way to go. Schools are running a lot of online events, so candidates should certainly take advantage of that and not just, you know, use the excuse of not having been able to visit campus to make less of an effort to get to know the school. You know, that's still critical. We see a big difference in applicants in, you know, the, the amount of preparation they've done and how familiar they are with the program and the sense of fit they have. And that really shines through in their application. So, you know, that now is a great time to, to be investing significant effort on that front. And then, you know, in the next few weeks, they should start getting serious about preparing their, their written materials. Right. Maria, what are you, what, what's on your checklist for people? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think in addition to those things, I think now is the time to start really thinking about who your recommenders are going to be, how you're going to start approaching them. If you're not certain if your boss is going to support 
your candidacy, you know, this might be the time to start having some preliminary conversations where you're sort of testing the waters. Um, I know that especially this is always kind of a fraught situation where if you're not certain if your boss supports you applying to business school, it's always sort of a bit of a, of a dance because you may not, you know, you don't want to be punished uh, should they discover that you're thinking of, about leaving. Uh, and I think especially with the current economic situation, you know, with where people are just so happy to have any job at all. I think that there's a real there's a real fear out there of, oh, is my boss going to get, you know, going to flip out and fire me or something if I if I unveil my uh, in, my intentions to leave. So I think starting to either think about who your recommender should be, approach potential recommenders and start prepping, you know, thinking about what you're going to ask them to to write about what stories you're going to want them to talk about, I think is another good use of energy right now. And Maria, in fact, that that's a real dilemma for a lot of people, uh, no matter what the conditions are in the economy, having to tell your boss that you're going to leave and you're going to leave for an MBA program. And a lot of people wait very late in the game to do that. And it also compromises or makes more complicated, at least, who you should get as a recommender, because obviously... A good recommender tends to be a boss who knows you well, who's seen your work, who can speak highly of you and, and do so in, in more personal terms. Do you have general advice for how to get around all that? I do. I mean, I, it's kind of, it's it's a bit of a dance, I think, like I, I said before. Like, you can't just, you know, say like, hey, I'm thinking of applying. I think one of the things is to sort of ask yourself, has my boss ever expressed feelings towards MBAs? Because for example, let's just say sometimes in Silicon Valley, right? Tech startups sometimes tend to be sort of like, oh, these dumb MBAs, you know, they think they know everything, right? And so right. You, you can sort of get a sense of whether or not, you know, I think the first question is, does your boss think that the MBA is a worthwhile degree in general, right? So you might, you know, there could be ways to sort of approach her by saying something like, oh, you know, or, are there, you know, are there, there are ways I've been trying to think of ways to, you know, improve my skills. Do you have any recommendations for me and see how the conversation goes? And if it starts to go to like, oh, I was thinking about maybe trying to get some more business skills. Like, what, you know, I think it might be good for me. Or you could even talk about some other person like, oh, you know, that VP of marketing, you know, she, she has her MBA from Haas. You know, I think, what do you think of, you know, I think it's, it sounds like, or it seems like she did a really good job, or it seems like her, her, you know, competence was really improved by going there. What do you think about that? So there are sort of these kind of tricky ways to, first of all, suss out, does my boss think that the MBA in general is a worthwhile use of time? And then trying to figure out whether or not they support, you know, you getting one. I think one thing that I've been advising people recently, because some people have said, well, I don't want my boss to know because the economy is so fragile. And I've said, well, it might actually be a relief to your boss if you have like a good, if you work for a good person, it might actually be a relief because for all you know, you know, your boss might be fighting tooth and nail for you to keep your job, you know, through a bunch of like, how am I going to keep this person employed for the next three years? Right. Um, and then, well, good news. You don't have to worry about that beyond next August. But so, yeah, it's it's definitely a tricky thing. But I think the good news is, look, I, the schools are are sensitive to this. They're very aware that this is an issue. And so it's very common for people to not have a direct supervisor as a recommender. You just explain the circumstances. And I have not ever seen anyone, I think, massively penalized for doing so. So thankfully, the schools are, are uh, empathetic. Yes. Now, Maria, some of those feeler questions mm -hmm. with your boss, 
uh, remind me of uh, maybe uh, precarious pickup lines at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know if they can blow back on you. <laughs> well, no one's doing that these days anyway. Right? That's true. That really is true. Uh, is your spreadsheet tired? Because it's been running through my mind all day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And if you obviously are, are uh, aiming for round two, you have a lot more time, but you shouldn't be wasting your time, right? No, absolutely. There's, there's plenty to do. And, you know, it's, it's good to put a project plan together. I mean, there, there are a lot of elements involved in the application process. And you know, if you're busy with your day job, time can run away and you know, you need to build some buffer time Maybe you're going to take the GMAT and you won't get the score that you want the first time. So you're going to have to retake. Uh, maybe you won't be able to take the GMAT when you want to be able to take it because of the you know closures and so on. So definitely pace yourself and you know don't don't procrastinate because the best applications are always ones that have taken some time to mature and where candidates have really taken the the time to reflect and you know put their heart and soul into the process and and. Admissions file readers are very practiced at reading applications and discerning the difference between an application that's been dashed off in the last few days before the deadline versus one that has really you know, gone through a thoughtful process of reflection and has matured over time. So you know, definitely aim to be in the former camp, especially given that it's probably going to be you know, a huge season for application volume. So you want to stand out, stand out through your preparation. And, you know, I'm always struck by how much time people spend on their essays. So, you know, generally almost every year, the Harvest, which is the MBA student newspaper at Harvard Business School, publishes a, an essay guide. And what they basically do is they solicit the actual essays that got MBA students into Harvard from current students. And then they block out, of course, you know, the personal details that would allow a person to be unveiled or identified. But they have little synopsis kind of things where they say how often they did a draft of their essay and how long it took. And in some cases, people do 10, 12, 20 drafts of a, of a single essay, and it may take them you know, not full-time, but overtime, six weeks to two months to get the essay right. is it, Does that sound extreme to the both of you, or is that kind of pretty much what it is? I definitely think that there are ways, there are certain, it depends on the school and depends on the essay, right? I think there are certain schools that have pretty, pretty standard essays of like, why do you want an MBA? Why our school? And those are a bit easier to sort of, you know, crank out sort of assembly line style, for lack of a better term. But there are some some schools essays like the Harvard essay, which is completely open-ended, right? What else do you want us to know about you? And so that does require a lot of reflection, not only what else do I want them to know about me, but I think the question a lot of applicants often miss is, what don't they need to know about me, right? I think there's, there's this mm. tendency for a lot of applicants to want to write like a 45-page, you know, I was born on a small farm, you know, and, and it's like, no, you know, just... <laughs> A lot of the stuff needs to go. That's true. And the and the Harvard application essay is unlimited in terms of the word length. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's actually, I think it, well, it used to be technically optional. I think they probably, you know, no one's going to actually not submit it. But um, but yeah, that, and I also think Stanford's what matters most to you and why. I think those are some some questions that do require weeks, if not months of reflection at times. Right. It should be fun though. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone calls it fun. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I, but, I don't well, know. Here's what I mean by that. I mean, you know, there are very few times in our life where we set aside a moment to be really reflective and think back about where we've come from and where we want to go. Those are precious times of uh, reflection and introspection that often evade us because we're, we're so into the daily grind of just getting stuff done and moving through life and dealing with, you know, the ups and downs of life that you don't kind of get the time that a good MBA application imposes on you to just sit back and say, okay, what have I achieved so far? What have been my triumphs? What have been my disappointments? And what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And that's part of the, the actually the beauty and maybe even the fun for some of getting these essay questions uh, answered and done in a really good way that actually help you as a person, regardless of whether or not Harvard says yes or NCI says no or Columbia says yes or whatever. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think that's true, but I think it's it's more beneficial to do that reflection after you've gotten accepted. I think when you're in the process of doing it for the admissions process, you're just so stressed out because you <laughs> want to get in so badly. And so I think that that maybe afterwards you're like, oh, it's just like when trauma, like, we think about things like, oh, when my child was a newborn and at the time it was horrible, but we look back on it with sort of rose colored glasses. I think maybe after the fact, it, it sounds like, oh yeah, it was actually nice to think about these things. <laughs> During the, I think in the process of doing it, it's, people get so, so, they put so much pressure on themselves that I don't, I don't know that it's fun at the time, but. That's a very optimistic take. Thank you, John. <laughs> okay. Well, someone has to be an optimist around here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So ready, set, go. 2020-2021 application season is pretty much here. As we said before, we've got at least seven prominent schools have already posted their application deadlines, uh, essay requirements, and some already have pushed their online application live. Darden did that today. So you can actually start, get in there and, and start doing it. So good luck to all of you. Hope we were able to give you a little bit of advice if you're either a round one or round two applicant aiming for this coming season. As we've noted before on Business Casual, we think this is going to be a big season. The only question is how big? Will it be a record volume or just a, a significant increase of some kind? So good luck to all of you. And Caroline and Maria, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thanks. Thank you, Maria. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. Thanks for listening. 